So this is the sixth question and answer session with students at the Papasna Meta Foundation of Maui. And November 21st, uh, 2016, with Saigo Tejania. Yeah, he says if you 
when you're planning to transition, you know, and he says, if you stay with the mind, one of the first things you'll notice is the mind making the decisions, the wanting to do things. And I said, you notice that. He said, if you notice that, you already know it. The awareness, you know, it's that's how you know what's happening in there. So he said, just, just stay with it. See how it takes you. Tell me now, what? Just ask your mind, Jesus, if you want to ask something, you know, like, what is the mind knowing now? What is the mind knowing now? And you can keep asking. He said there was a yogi in the center who made great effort to to have continuous mindfulness, to keep the continuity going, but the the person was so uh, much more aware of what he he or she was observing that in transition the the person always felt like he was missing spots or you know spots of time and then finally when the teacher persuaded him to just look at the mind he saw flow <laughs> he says these things are much more, under, more much more easily understood when you actually try it out. Listening to it in words. I don't know, like that matter is sick of hard in the I don't know, like it, be money. He says having to sort of like um, what's the word? He says go after the objects or you know, having to like oh, I have to know this and this and that 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 always feels like energy let go. Yeah, he says energetically it's it's less efficient. Um, it can also feel rather involved and unnatural and time consuming. Uh, he says so just try it out. Just try it out and see what it's like for you, you know. When you sort of put your trust in the mind. <laughs> when you ask yourself, when you ask yourself what is the mind knowing, it's like you've, you've already directed your mind to knowing the awareness. You know, and um, oh if you could you might if it's more helpful, what do you know now? You know? Instead of what is the mind knowing? What what is being known now? Um and um, yeah, whatever you know is already the object. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know the, the the knowing is also an object. Hmm? Yeah. The, um, this sounds very similar to my experience yesterday when the, a couple of days ago in the question and answer the side I said that if you're experiencing pain, yeah. that's because you're not just in the present moment, you're linking together all these past moments. I'm okay. calling it sort of, I think as I said, basically pain. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for a way to prompt myself for the for what's being present and known in this moment. And I tried different things like um, walking meditation, like what's being known now, a couple steps, or sometimes when I'm sitting, I can feel my heart beating, so what's being known now. 
and sometimes that worked, and I was kind of surprised at how different this now was from that now. But mostly, and also I saw that my mind didn't really, wasn't, it has a habit of not really knowing now, but more kind of like recognizing things and putting them together so that it doesn't have to think about them anymore. <laughs> but, but I found the effort, my way of prompting for now was so, it took so much effort that I couldn't maintain it. So, um, so I guess I'm asking him to expand on this notion of how you do it effortlessly. ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่ไม่
rely on. You know, the rest of it is changing. You know, sometimes you can see it's fresh. Sometimes all we have to do is be relaxed about it. Yeah, so Sarah gives us information. He says, not for us to try and be that information or experience that information. It's just for us to know that if we do come across such an experience, that we have some reference already. There is, this is possible. It's not like I'm doing something weird or something. And sometimes, Sierra says, it can be that when he mentions these things, somebody is, um, you know, some people's minds are on the brink of it. And it helps them to see that more clearly because they already have had glimpses of it. And then they see it more clearly or have the words to understand what they're experiencing. You know, um... But yeah, if that's not how we experience it, we should stay with our experience as it is. Like you just have to be tuned to being aware and listen for whatever shows up. Yeah. Okay. It has relaxed us away. I'm not the Yeah, just that. Like having the radio on and tuning into a This is the Buddha's teaching. However, we get information, it's good. Yes, if we have time, by all means. Remember, we do need input, right? Sutta Maya Panya. We need information. And these are the Dharma information, the inputs of Dharma information. And then when we have more and more experiences, we can actually, you know, some of this stuff that we read can input into our experiences. And then on the converse, some of our experiences, you know, we, we can then have some basis from which to see it, you so many talked about so many things and each of everything the Buddha said was meaningful all of it is Dharma so maybe I could just follow up a little bit um, so ตัวสิสอ่าโทมูเนเวสไซเบอร์โปจิอาเมโมลาโซมะโฮบาอูอะโคโนะเนี่ยอืมอ่าจัสเกนเซเดอะไอไฟน์ซัมไทม์สทร
modern, modern what? Like, sort of like his book, for example. <coughs> other people writing about what he would have said or actually going through the original yeah. long-form text. And, anyway. Anyway. ตัวเปียร์เนี่ยโหตะคัดไปปาลีทรานสเลชั่นเนี่ยพายเนี่ยนาเลียแคเลยเนี่ยโหตะอาชีเนี่ยแต่ว่าตะบัวดีอาจาร
describe the Dharma in the way that is beneficial for the person who's listening to it. In, in, in the way that will speak to this person's understanding of what they need to understand. And he says, I've spoken about, the, the, about Vedana in two ways. I've spoken about it in three ways, in six ways. Apparently, he's Probably spoken ways, about, about it in 108 ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is five ways. Yeah, so... So, yeah, there's no need to argue about all the, in that sense, you know, there's, there will be many things available to us and we take what works for us, but it's helpful to, to be exposed to all of them so that we can know what works for us. ยังที่เราเอาอาตุปุติเนี่ยที่อ่านบลูบลูยูยูยาแล้วเพราะนั้นเขาบอกว่าเขาเรียนรู้ว่าเขาเรียนรู้ว่าเขาเรียนรู้
he smashed his knee and then he meditated and he he gained enlightenment but it's not because he smashed his knee that he gained enlightenment Sarah would like to emphasize sometimes when we read these suttas and there's this extreme stuff in it uh, he's always, he always gets concerned that people think that think that extreme things will help us get enlightenment or realize things, and it's not there. He said, it always points to the fact that for, for these people that were, you know, talked, described in these the suttas, they were already ripe for realization. They were just at the doorstep, you know. Momentum. Yeah, they had huge momentum. They had tons, they had miles of practice. Their mind is strong and pure and full and um, powerful. Their minds are full of uh, the power of the Dhamma and they just need like, you know, to to step over the threshold. So... But um, <clears throat> for him, what it uh, sort of reveals is how much practice they must have already put in. For him it's very inspiring in the sense of um, encouraging him to really dedicate himself to to the Dharma. Anybody can speak, Seattle says. Wow. And it's really interesting and it's really challenging. So I'm, I'm watching. Um, I'm watching many times when I want to speak and I don't speak, yeah. and then other times when I'm um, just really want to be quiet and and then feel like that's okay. So I'm, I'm just quiet and it's, it feels very supportive in the in the van because everyone. It's not we're strangers, but we're all there for the same reason. And it's. Um, it's just really nice that part, but um, just watching myself and what happens inside when I speak has been very interesting. Yeah. In terms of what is it I choose to speak and how am I listening and what's the exchange like? So, um, so I really look forward to the drives because it's always I don't know what's going to happen or what I'm going to do. Yeah. So maybe if you could just speak a little bit about. Um, ไปสปีกสปีกฟรอมเดอะอินไซด์เนี่ยตัวเอ่อมาคอนเนมุตตะวะเอ่อตะมาวาสะมุตะมาวาสะอาชุโกจูซาเรตโรกามาอุมรอ
ไม่เปลี่ยนเป็นแต่บ้านสุดท้ายมาว่าสัจจะเป็นผู้ชั่วสารเนาะไม่เปลี่ยนเป็นนิลัยเลยตุติเลยไปลุกจ้าวไล่
um, in five precepts is only do not lie, right? To refrain from lying. And it expands it into the four components of right speech, which are um, to refrain from lying, to refrain from harsh speech, to refrain from slander, like uh, speaking ill of others. The last one is to refrain from, they call it idle chatter, refrain from um, speaking to fill time, right? Um, a gossip some, sometimes, the translation. And uh, when he read that, he said he was fascinated and he thought he would incorporate that into his practice. He said it took a lot of mindfulness to, every time he wanted to speak, to remember whether it was going to be um, a lie in any form, whether it was going to be harsh speech or whether it was going to be... Um, you know, or whether it was idle chapter, and the idle chapter bit really got him. He, 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 he went to almost zero speech. <laughs> yeah, he only spoke when necessary or when needed, sort of thing. And he says, but his when he was able to put it into practice, um, like once it got established in his practice, he, he says the rest of his uh, practice really took off. He said it was, yeah, it just really supported the practice incredibly. Because whenever we speak, he says we have some intentions, motivations for the reason we speak, and then we have some ideas with which we're speaking, and then, and then you can detect in your mind whether it feels comfortable or uncomfortable, and, and, and that provided him the opportunity to to not speak if it was not going to be skillful because he could feel the discomfort already. And he said it, it really reduced the amount of re- regret and remorse he had because that was a huge part of his depression that there was so much that he regretted. And, and <clears throat> But it's interesting because an idle chatter in a way is... is is kind of what you do when you're driving in a car and you're It's a social lubricant. You know someone and it's not. Some are not I'm not I'm not I'm not You're not I'm 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 not there are times when it's necessary. Then it becomes part of right speech, right? You you know your your motivation and the reason. He said it's about overstepping boundaries. It's when you start doing more than is comfortable just because you 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 know we, we all know. It's sort of knowing limits, and he says those limits are are found by, by checking it in the inner world and seeing the limits of our comfort. And, and when we find ourselves getting uncomfortable, drawing, with, drawing back, it's, it's, it's a great mindfulness exercise because you're experimenting and you're discovering. Um, and it you know, makes right speech not a burden or a, like a restriction, but an exploration. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've noticed when you're talking in that kind of situation, Usually you keep talking, but since we're in, in on this retreat, you can talk and then just stop. Yeah. And, and then there's silence. Everybody and, understands. And it's completely okay. Okay. So, yeah. It's nice to be able to experiment with that. 
in real life, uh, on a Dharma retreat, even when speaking, it's much more easy because there's a, a shared understanding of what everybody is trying to do. He says, in life, it's really interesting because the problem is not all, well, sometimes it's cutting ourselves off, like stopping ourselves. And... But it's harder when we are trying to stop someone else. <laughs> and it can be really interesting um, to like strategize or experiment with different forms to find out what's skillful or not skillful. You, you learn from our mistakes as well. When we become very skillful, Sierra says, we can manage other people. <laughs> you know, we, we become able to um, lead them the way we need to, you know, lead the conversation in the direction, uh, you know, so that it becomes more wholesome or whatever, or if it needs to. You know, and because something needs to be whatever, you know, we we can learn. Yeah. Oh wait, sorry, there was uh, just which is anxiety. And when I sit with or look at anxiety, sometimes I can see the fear under it, but other times I can't. But what it conditions is um, over-functioning. I get into over-planning, over-controlling, and the net result of all that is I suffer and the people around me suffer, Mm. Uh, in that situation. So I see it happening again and again and again, and I'm watching it, but I'm wondering if there's some different way I could handle it to somehow reduce the suffering that I'm feeling and that those around me feel in that situation. So in other words, like besides watching only, is there other strategies to apply? Am I... Outside of being aware of it, is there anything skillful or any other way of handling it that I'm not aware of? Yeah. โลดาโลนาโลนาโอ้ว่าพี่เปล่าเอ่อโอ้ว่าพี่เด้อโอ้ตาบ่ตอนนี้ไม่มีติอยู่เอ่อ
ตูแลเปมาเนี่ยตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคายาเปตูแลโลคาย
you've understood anything, no? Not because you've understood anything. Simply because you did not let the mind dwell on its unwholesome stuff. The, the, because thinking feeds emotion. And because you kept the thinking at bay and fed that time with awareness of the feeling, um, and when the feeling is completely gone, Sarah says, he noticed that then the thinking was different. When the negativity was totally absent, the way the mind thought about the same thing was different. And building from that, he said that, you know, you, you have, he did that over and over again for everything that he couldn't handle. You know, that was his way of working with it. <coughs> and he says when he got, like when he, that gained momentum, he found that that fell into, so in between, right? So he's, this is taking time off. In between when he's working, he doesn't have enough awareness. He says he just had to deal with it the way he was always dealing with it, whether unskillful or not. Um, but once he had more and more understanding this way, and he could sort of rely on those little peaks of, uh, into the fact that things could be different, he said it then fed back into when he was with people and working um, and aware that, you know, he could then start learning from those. And, yeah. Can I clarify, feeling is that way that you're talking about? Or? Well, feeling is what you feel, what you feel. <laughs> ก็ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได
and keep him there while he was doing his work. <laughs> He really needed the, his attention not to be on his distress, and his work, you know, distressed him. He'd be he'd be worried about because he didn't know whether he should order these goods. He he said he had so much indecision and fear about everything, you know, in his life, and so he needed this so that he would do the work, but this strong pain, you know, that he would have up his, uh, somewhere up in his forehead because of that inhaler would keep his attention there. <laughs> so it would be like, breathe, yes, and breathe, and breathe, you know, it was like doing anapana while doing his work. Or he said sometimes he would turn on music and just put his mind into the music so that he wouldn't be thinking, because his mind would always be thinking about all the things that distressed him. At that time, he understood the, the importance of, um, of focusing. Um, the, the caveat to that is that um, because Seattle had understood something about too much focusing when he was younger, uh, his mind was never able to over-focus. His mind always had balanced focus. You know, I don't know how to this thing. He, he never got into such strong concentration that he became a zombie or something or that he couldn't function. You know? Yeah. So he kept his mind occupied with awareness all the time. In between working, so when he's working, he has an open awareness as much as he could. You know, he had when he was working. The moment he was still, he would do something focusing. So he would like, you know, he often tells us this exercise. Well, to do this exercise, when you put your five fingers to, on both hands together, and then he would pay attention to, you know, the set of thumbs touching. And he was keep, he would keep focusing until he couldn't see the other fingers anymore. So he's focused enough. The main then yeah. he would stop. He would go on to the next finger, and then he would focus on that finger until that finger became the only thing he could know, and the others faded. Then he would switch to the third finger, and so he would do these exercises in all these different ways uh, to keep his mindfulness working. Because when you're sitting still. If you're not, if you just leave it to open awareness, you can drift into thinking. So he, he made it a very deliberate kind of awareness. And because of these exercises he did on focusing, then when, you know, when it gained momentum, which was maybe almost a year, maybe nine months, a year down the road, he said it got to the point where um, when he did have defilements and he took, started doing those exercises where, you know, when he, you know, he's anxious about something and he has a break and he, you know, stops the thoughts and just watches the, the feeling. He would just, just disappear. Because yeah, of yeah, the yeah, power yeah, yeah. of the focusing that he had developed, not by focusing hard, but just because of the months of continual practice that he had put in. So can I just clarify, is, is, is that what Steve was saying the other day about there's the story and then there's the physical sensations and then there's the feeling of anxiety? And, and so Seattle said that we don't have to get too technical here. 
You know, we don't have to get it right. Whatever you feel, put the thinking aside and look at the feelings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But is okay. it physical or mental? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not physical. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 You know, what is, what is in the mind and what is in the body? That's the first stage of it. Well, I wouldn't say insight, but that's the first stage where you discern the difference between Nama and Rupa. Nama, Rupa, Parichita. That's the first one. You know. Clearly, the only difference. Yeah, that's only the first insight uh, in the you know in the sixteen stages of insight. Clearly, discerning the difference between mind and body. Rupa and Nama. Rupa and Nama. Yeah, no, I didn't say mind. Um, the yogi yesterday or the day before was talking about um, <clears throat> she was shy and then realized that it was fear of speaking up. Okay. Um, I had um, emotion coming up because mm. I so identified with that. Mm. And here I'm sitting being afraid of speaking up. <laughs> um, but the word that comes to me is unworthiness, not fear. It's uh, whatever I have to say is not worthy. It's and I've got 70 plus years of training in that, so the habit, you know, is quite strong. And so I was sitting um, yesterday and today with this, uh, okay, unworthiness, where is it? What is it? Um, I'm, you know, discounted, I, I don't matter, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, and then it, um, being unvaluable, and I realized there was comparing, comparing mind there. Mm-hmm. And with the comparing mind, it's like judgment. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I realized it was like arrogance. <laughs> and it's like, wow. <laughs> um, you know, so from this unworthiness to realize the arrogance, and it just, I, um, I was just humbled. It, <laughs> so... Um, I know I'm not finished dealing with unworthiness, so that's sort of a big thing. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was a good exercise? <laughs> it, yeah, it was amazing to me um, to come up with that relationship of, that, that it pointed to arrogance, yeah. and that was kind of humbling. Yeah, humbling, yeah. Oh, Mania, Teo Capioli, to Shepherd and of your Broera, to Lena de Gedan, to Atomo to Machago of Yorgin, and to Trio. Ain't no to me, Yorgima, to Sekima, don't know what, but so to what, Lair, Pioma Chowder. Dumb to what? Pioma Chowder, hold what to Atomo the Chai, no? To what? Nero says it, I'm a two to the Galoa, but let's อันวันนี้สกัดเนาะกูตะบ่มิชิไอ้บ่ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็ก็
in his practice, he had at that time relied on just focusing on a neutral object, right? His breath, music, and so on. And for some people, they can make that metta, a metta practice, right? But the... Yeah, any of, you know, you could do uh, reflections on the Buddha, the other Brahma Viharas, whatever it is. Um, but he says the goal in mind should be that this practice is to strengthen the mind so that it can come back and face the real problem another day. Mm-hmm. Keeping that in mind, then we won't just be bypassing, we'll be using it as a tool, a stepping stone to coming back to the problem mm-hmm. so that we can really any any type of practice in meditation says is a, a tool a, 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 a practice you know when you use the word practice it's about making yourself more skillful Right? So all of these are means of making ourselves more skillful so that we can bring the skill to, to deal with, you know, the things that matter eventually. Now my focus is like, I'm going to ask you a little bit, you may not have thought about it, but I'm going to ask you a little bit, but I'm going to ask you a little bit, but I'm going to ask you a little bit. He used to um, be so, like, you know, in his state of depression, so paranoid, he didn't want to be around people and all that because he was always wondering what they thought of him and all that. He never was avoiding people. But when his practice kind of took off and, you know, his, you know, ability to to stay with objects and, and you know, guide his mind became better. So ever says he began to challenge himself and then he would go, uh, you know, in the West, you know, when you get invited, you, a family representative goes for weddings or something like that. And and he started to go for those weddings and all, which he used to avoid. And he would sit in the med- in the wedding halls it's in Burma, they have live music and all, and he would use the loud music that was playing as his meditation objects. <laughs> you know, he would, yeah, he would use... You know, the practice of you know whether to take alcohol or not during the weddings as his practice, so all these became part of his practice. Um, a couple of things. I just speak a little bit about practice. Then I have a specific question that sort of falls from that. Um, I think my experience at this retreat is I've really come to value the opportunity and the teachings to encourage us to have continuous awareness in all of our daily life. Because what I came to realize is that I had a lot of delusion and a lot of attachment to the sitting practice, the samadhi, and the, the, the sweet pleasures that come with practice. So <coughs> I've found that I've been really trying my best to is continuous outside with eyes open with the viewpoint of taking that back into my practice and world Um, and what came to me with that is a sense of urgency to continue so lots of energy and brightness in the mind and enthusiasm for the practice Um, and with that I also reflected I work in in a healthcare situation and see many people 
with dementias and cognitive impairments. And I wonder if Saido has any um, uh, observations or reflections about how the practice can be used as we age, um, <laughs> and is it something that can be used in, in persons as we're suffering with challenges of the mind? ตัวนี้มาอัตตะตัวเปาะเจซูจีเลยสรแล้วตัวบามิลาเลยสรตัวอีนอทายนาวเตอายูเลยตะบอจะเลยทายนี้ตะมาดีกาวเลยคันซา
Det låg mig en tv om man går kyn. If we practice and the practice is right, I mean, through all the mistakes that we made, that we do make anyway, he says, if the practice is more or less pointing in the right direction, we have the right understanding, right? You know, we, we, we keep learning about our wrong views so that, you know, we can have more right view. If we're moving in that direction and we're practicing in that sense, right? Um, Sierra says, the practice of mindfulness can only make the mind stronger. Um, stronger, wiser, and that would, will surely help as we get older. Um, as and if we have a really strong practice, it can become so natural that that is the way we live our lives, with awareness and wisdom. It can just become the way we live, the nature of our minds. The As far as helping patients with uh, mental impairments or dementia or anything, he says it, it only depends on whether they are able to understand um, what you explain about the practice and whether they are able to uh, put it into uh, practice in a balanced way uh, with the right underst- uh, understanding about it. If they are able to do that, he says, um, he has no doubt that it probably will help them. He says, when we are old and withered, he says, this is the best way to be, is with the Dhamma. (laughs) (laughs) And we live peacefully, and then we die peacefully. What could be better than that? And if we have enough, if we have fulfilled enough paramis, fulfilled the perfections that we need to fulfill, um, we might even get lightened. <laughs> Did you put up your hand? No. He says if you think about your practice on day one, and today is like day five or six, day six. he says you can feel the difference in quality of mind. Right? He says, and if you carry this same sort of uh, direction, you know, for your mind, through your life, he says, and as time passes, can you imagine how much stronger it will get? Yeah, he says, we can extrapolate, you know. He says, you know, it's like somebody shows you uh, a foot, and then you can see a mile into the, of the possibilities, yeah. Yes. Uh, when Saidal was uh, reflecting on right speech, uh, he um, mentioned that he felt remorse. And when I feel remorse myself of maybe an unskillful thing I've done in the past, it seems like that, that quality of mind could be a wholesome mind. 
so it's like if, you know, you think of that hot sauce you know, that mm-hmm. you had in the past and, you know, you burned yourself with it or you, you burned another person with yeah. it. You know, you think, well, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. And so that brought to mind the, mm-hmm. the teachings on um, Kiri and Otapa, yeah. uh, the guardians of the world. So I was wondering if Saigon could maybe offer some reflections on that. Yeah. And, and how, you know, that that's a beautiful mind state that may not feel necessarily pleasant. Mm. Very often we don't see that something that we have in mind is sometimes mixed. And that's the case with <coughs> regret. Regret is an English word. And there is a component of regret which is just about, and probably remorse is a better word in English for the more wholesome part of it. Right? There's a part of it that realizes that that was the wrong thing to do and you know, you're sorry you did it. Okay? Like you, 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 you realize that that was not skillful and you accept it. That was not skillful. Sarah says in, in Pali, the word for what we in English say regret is which one is that? What is which hindrance is it? Soka? No. Toka Ali. It's Soka, huh? Toka Bridi what? But hindra never parala. And it just means that you go over and over what you did wrong. Oh God, I did, I did it wrong. I did it. Oh God, I did it. I did. And that's not helpful. (laughs) Yes. And that's not the part that you're talking about where it learns a lesson. Right. Right. So the learn lesson bit is wholesome. The blaming yourself again and again is not wholesome and not useful. Okay, so, so that's the mixed bit. And um, the hiri otaka is in the wholesome bit where you accept that something was wrong and then you decide to make a change. Yeah. And it was also, uh, yesterday I thought there was a good question on uh, social justice. Mm-hmm. And that maybe sometimes those motivations for you know, bringing about justice in the world could even be fed by this Hiri and Otapa mm-hmm. uh, as well. And I was wondering again what the side out, um, any reflections about that? ที่ที่ออกมาหมดเอ่อมาราดิโอบอกว่าสระหูอุปมาดูอุสุตะคุอะตกะยอกเนี่ยคือว่าดีอุสุเอ่อตะชาลุไม่ได้เสียอํานุ
the desire to pursue such things, we can definitely use all our wholesome motivations to do that. We can use wisdom to pursue these activities. We can, you know, we can use awareness while doing it so that we can, you know, keep figuring out what's wise. Um, and you know, we can use all the other wholesome uh, qualities that are available to us as motivations for doing these things. If you have, you know, and, and depending on what you have as resources, right? You could, you might have not just have um, wisdom, you also need um, resources such as um, ability to plan or strategize, you need um, <coughs> not just ideas, and you also then need creativity, <coughs> and then material sources. And there's many ways to um, there's many ways to act, participate in social activism. You know, um, being a Dharma teacher is a type of social activism. <laughs> there are many people who change when they come across the Dharma. Significantly. He says, whatever good we have in us, he said, share it as much as you can. Don't please share. Please don't share. Anything you <laughs> Whether it's on Facebook or in other ways. Facebook, let's change. Don't Like, share, like, share, Now, 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 to 
Enlightenment is just one level of wisdom, right? It's 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 a realization of a certain type. Um, in any sort of realization we have in our mundane practice, any mundane realization we have about our lives, says, the realizations we have help to dispel the di- distress that it matches. Right? For example, if we um, watch our minds more and more and understand how much the mind creates, we will be less susceptible to believe everything the mind creates because we will see that it's just uh, uh, like a a creation of the mind. You know, the mind can take uh, a, a word and then make it into some other meaning, right? Somebody says something to us and we can start wondering, did they say it because of this or that? Put all our assumptions on it and then start believing our story about why that person said something, right? <laughs> but if we understand this about the mind, then we can we can take that away. We can choose not to believe the mind's uh, creations, right? Then, then we, we take away the suffering that comes from believing our thoughts about why we think Somebody said something and leave it as this was said. <laughs> and that's so much simpler for the mind and it has so much less of a burden to carry from all the emotions it would have created for itself if it had gone into that other realm. Right? That's just a mundane type of understanding. Yes? Mm-hmm. ไอ้ก็ซุ่ยเสียมันดิอายุนี้เนี่ยเปลี่ยนมีในมีในดีเนี่ยยอดได้ยอดได้ดีเนี่ยผิดได้ผิดได้ดีรู้เรื่องมี
the, the feeling in his heart as he passed those places was always horrible, heavy, you know. And he says, one day, walking by, and he had been practicing for maybe more than a year, walking by, and he again saw the thoughts, and you know, he's been mindful of everything that comes up just as it uh, is. And that day he passed by, he saw the same things, the thoughts, the feelings. The, and that day his mind realized that the thought was just a thought. And then it was like, it just fell away, because it was just a thought. And realizing that, he became free of the power of the thought over his emotions. And it was such a strong insight, um, probably because he had so much continuous practice behind him at this point, that the, that thought never had a hold on him anymore after that. <coughs> the thoughts would come, but the emotions wouldn't follow anymore. So the memories can't be stopped because they're also just a result of, you know, past um, causes. Um, but he says we can change the way our mind understands them and then we don't have to suffer because of them. He says imagine if he hadn't understood that and he was going to die and then that was the thought that came to his mind. What a way to die. อันนั้นเราดูกับกูดูกับปีนี่ดิดูกับนี่ลุกตัวแต่เราก็น่ะมันไม่ใช่ว่าเนาะ all our insights free us from suffering that we cause ourselves to the degree that the insight understands. He says nothing can free us to that degree as far as he knows. <laughs> nothing else. ยายติดคุกกูยายติดบ่าเนี่ยมาอู้ยายเนี่ยยายบ่าไอ้ยายน่ะแท้ก็ตายติดคุกกูตายยายตอบมาบิฉินน่ะบ่าบิโลเปีย